Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, pull up, ball to the five, touchdown, Tampa Bay. My Gubbins does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up with it. Hands in the The playoffs start this Sunday for the 4-7 and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we'll tell you a little bit more here on a brand new game preview episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast live on YouTube today. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. And what I mean, Evan, by, you know, the playoffs begin this Sunday for the 4-7 and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's a division game against the Falcons, a team that's already beat them once this year. And believe it or not, with a 4-7 and seven record, we are still talking about playoffs. But the Bucs have pinned themselves into a corner here, and uh, if they lose to Atlanta on Sunday, they may as well pack it up and go home, call it a season, because the NFC South could be out of reach now with Atlanta sweeping the Bucks on the season. But I, I don't know. How do you think this game is going to shake out, and what are your thoughts on the matchup this week for Tampa Bay? Well, the good news for the Bucks is they're five and seven. Um, Ooh, that, 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 that's, the, <laughs> that's the good news. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, man. Well, it, it just it tells you the type of five and seven team that they are. We're talking about the playoffs. We're talking about the division race. It doesn't feel like they're a five and seven team. It really doesn't feel like they're a team worth, you know, even spending time talking about a playoff spot on. But the door is not shut completely. So until it is, we're going to we're going to talk about all the ways they can make it to the postseason. Yeah, no, and, and you know it's it's more so the NFC South being bad than um, anything else. You know, it's just this division. If it was a normal division, like if you look around the NFL, like the Lions are nine and three, they're leading their division. You know, the 49ers are nine and three, they're leading their division. The Eagles are ten and two, they're leading their division. Cowboys are in second, they're nine and three. Chiefs, Chiefs eight and four. Jags eight and four. Ravens nine and three. Dolphins nine and three. If the Bucks are in any other division here. It's over. Like it's over now. It's already done. Um, so it's not so much like, oh man, the, the books are they're staying alive. They're staying alive by default, basically, because um just nobody wants the NFC South, I guess. And it was the same way last year. Like the Buccaneers won the NFC South with a losing record last year. Now I know that week 18 game against Atlanta, they pulled their starters, like they could have won and had a winning record, whatever. Um, but you know, they still had a losing record. So it, it seems like we're almost on pace for that again this year. Uh and but you're right though. I mean, this is this is it. Um, I mean, if, if they, if they lose the rest of the games don't matter. I mean, I'm going to be pretty blunt. Like if they lose the the rest of these games do not matter. Uh, you drop to five and eight Atlanta would clearly have the tiebreaker over you. You get swept by them. And also like, I just think the team would just be so demoralized at that point. Uh, because like, they know how big of a game this is. Like they know that they need to win this game. They cannot get swept by Atlanta. 
On the other hand, Atlanta can almost clinch the NFC South. Like the Saints play the Panthers this week, so like the the Saints have had their struggles, but the Saints are probably getting a win this week. Like like most likely winning this week, so it wouldn't be officially wrapped up. But man, you would be able to basically eliminate the Buccaneers with with, with a win this weekend. So Atlanta's going to know what that stake, and the Buccaneers are going to know what that stake as well. So yeah, it is a a massive massive game and easily the biggest game of the year. No matter what happens from here on out. It's, it's going to be the biggest game of the year. Brutal as Bucks in the chat says, I'm just excited there's something to root for, which is true. You know, there's been a lot of seasons where we've talked about the Bucks being five and seven and well out of the playoff race, where at this point, the first week of December, you're looking at mock drafts, you're looking ahead to April, and the Bucks don't have anything to play for. But as it stands right now, this team very much in the thick of it, even though it's a very ugly NFC South. Happy Friday to everybody in the live chat as well. Christopher Cole, San Antogato, Payday 39, Holyoke Joe, and Chris Mail. San Antogato says it all starts with one game at a time. For those who have that lose mentality, then you get what you get. But you talked about how from the top down, you know, head coach Todd Bowles, everyone on his staff, and every player in that locker room, they know how important this week's game is because if the Bucks lose, not only is their season over, but you're talking about just monumental changes on the way for this Buccaneers football team this offseason, which I know some people have been ready to talk about for you know a couple of weeks now with uh, the firing of Todd Bowles brought into question every single week. But if the Bucs miss the playoffs, it, it, it almost feels inevitable. I mean, maybe there's a chance the Glazers surprise us and keep them around, but Todd Bowles said last week he doesn't feel like he's coaching for his job, but he, he may as well be, right? Like, is that just coach talk for... I'm going to ignore the outside noise. I don't feel like I'm coaching for my job, but deep down inside, he he's coaching for his job every week. Yeah, and, and I thought, and I mentioned this, I believe, on the pod uh, a little bit ago about how Dave Canales had said, you know, basically he had a, an honest talk with his family about what happens to coaches of teams that lose six of seven or seven of eight, like. So that shows me, yeah, like they're aware and like Todd Bowles is clearly aware, like he knows, like, like, like he knows what, what happens if this season, you know, if they finish six and 11 or five and 12, or maybe even seven and 10, like he knows what's going to happen. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it could be honestly, the, 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 the loser of this game could be, um, you know, actually without a head coach, like, and I mean, it's not going to like, they're not going to, you know, if they lose on Sunday, they're not going to fire Todd Bowles on Monday, but, um, you know, they're like Arthur Smith. Like he's not completely safe. Like I think he's in a similar boat and like, and Arthur Smith never even made the playoffs as Falcons head coach. Like Todd Bowles has made the playoffs at least. And Todd Bowles had, you know, won the Super Bowl as the Bucks defensive coordinator. Arthur Smith has had two straight seven and 10 seasons. So he's going to be uh, maybe coaching for his job as well. And um, yeah, they, they, they know. And, and like you said though, with a, a loss, I mean, yeah, you could see a brand new head coach next year. You could see if you're seeing a brand new head coach, you're most likely seeing a brand new quarterback. Um, and that's not the only changes. I mean, those are the two biggest ones, but I think you'd see a lot more changes. And I, I think those changes will come whether Todd Bowles is, is here or not. Like there's going to be some guys that are here right now that won't be next year. But, um, you know, I, I do think that. The, the coaching staff is easily aware and yeah that's he's okay he's not coaching for his job that probably means like right now like i i think he's probably been given like assurances like look yeah like don't like they don't want you you know 
sitting there having to worry about that. So they want you focused on the game. So basically saying, yeah, like they're not going to fire you midseason. Like the Glazers have never fired a head coach midseason. It's not, they let Raheem Morris start off four and two and lose 10 straight games. And they didn't fire him until after the season. Greg Schiano in his second season started 0 and 8. Both, both coaches were fired after that season, right? But he started 0 and 8 and they didn't fire him. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that the Bulls will get the rest of the season, and I, I think he needs to make the playoffs to keep his job. I think if this team misses the playoffs, I, I don't think – I think the Glazers are looking for progress, and missing the playoffs after making them would not be progress. So um, I think he needs to make the playoffs to keep his job, and the way to make the playoffs is basically – I mean, people look at you know five games remaining. Okay, you can lose to Green Bay and Jacksonville as long as you win your three remaining divisional games. Like, you can lose those games. Like, Green Bay's playing great football right now. Just beat Kansas City. Well, arguably the hottest team in the NFL right now is Green Bay Packers. Like, that's a tough game next week. Like, like that is not an easy game now. And, uh, you know, Jacksonville, obviously, it sounds like Trevor Lawrence will be fine. So, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see about that, about his status. But it wouldn't really matter if you just win your divisional games. But it all starts this week. I mean, you have to win this game, especially since you already dropped the ball against Atlanta earlier in the season. It just makes this matchup even more important. Before we get into, obviously, the game this week and some of the headlines, I want to ask you personally, we talk a lot about how the Bucs are on the verge of two very different off-seasons. If they make the playoffs, more than likely Todd Bull sticks around. I have to assume more than likely the Bucks take another chance on Baker Mayfield. Maybe it's a two-year deal. Maybe it's another one-year deal. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what other teams are going to pay him because let's not forget, Baker, while we've had a lot of discussion back and forth about whether or not he's the guy for the Bucks, there's a lot of other QB needy teams who are going to be ready to pay him, and they could be ready to pay him more than what the Bucks are. But if they make the postseason, you talk about retaining Todd Bowles, you talk about potentially retaining Baker Mayfield, which then affects your free agent priority when you look at guys who are going to be needing to get paid, like Mike Evans, Antoine Winfield Jr. at the top of the list. Some other pressing free agents, Levante David in there as well. But for the Bucks, Evan, in your personal opinion, because people could go back and forth all day on this. If we had opened the phones, we could probably do a four-hour show. Uh, <laughs> in your personal opinion, do you think it is best for the franchise for the Bucs to make the postseason or to go ahead and, and take their lumps in one of these division losses, move on from Todd Bowles, and uh, I don't want to say secure a top 10 pick and a quarterback, but it, have the have an easier ability to take a big-time swing at your next potential franchise quarterback. What do you think is better for the Bucs right now? Because I have said it time and time again, I'm never going to root for them to lose. The more times you can get a losing franchise in the postseason – the better because the Bucks are a losing franchise. They will always have this aura of losing. And I'm not saying postseason banners are going to help, but they certainly help cushion the blow a little bit uh, in the grand scheme of things. And I feel like that kind of success, if it's there, it, it, it like you, you just, you have to embrace it. If they make the postseason, I don't know why everyone's going to be upset. Um, okay. So really quick, actually, I just, I found something from a PFF Buccaneers uh, account. It literally, the Bucks chances of making the playoffs with a win is 
Okay. So more than more than that's more than likely. More than likely it's very it's almost 50-50, but more than likely making the playoffs with a win. It was 22% this time last week. With a loss, 8%. So that's the difference we're talking here. Like if they lose, it's over. Like it it, it is done. Like I know that's the title of this podcast, but like it, it's true. Like that's why we made the title. Um really quick, to me it's two separate things, right? One thing Rooting for them to lose versus acknowledging that it's probably best for them to lose. It, it's two different things to me, right? Rooting for them to lose is you're sitting there on Sunday and, like, they score a touchdown and you're like, oh, you know, like, they beat the Falcons. You're like, no, like you're, like, actively rooting against them. Whereas Noah acknowledging that it's best for the team maybe long-term to lose you're you're sitting there and and you're just taking in the game. You're just sort of sitting there like, uh, yeah, th- they lost. Okay, you know, you just take it and move on. My personal opinion, and and this is like going to be the, one of the first times that we're sort of talking ab- about this. Uh, I I do think it's important to make the playoffs. All right, I I think that when you like you said, a team that has not had much success, right, outside of a few years in the late nineties, early two thousands. And then a few years here in, in the early 2020s has not had much success, right? Especially playoff success. That being said, I think it's probably better for the franchise long-term if they were to lose and, and get, like I said, I'm not rooting against them, but what's better is probably for them to lose, get a new head coach, get your franchise quarterback, which those opportunities don't come around every day. Right, you're not going to get an opportunity to draft a franchise quarterback every draft. It's not going to happen, okay? And like, you're not going to find a Jalen Hurts in the second round every year. Not going to happen. Or even a Derek Carr, who the Raiders drafted in the second round, was a good quarterback. Not going to happen. Like Kyle Trask was a second round pick. He hadn't started a game. You know, uh, Malik, uh, Malik, yeah, Malik Willis is a great example, right? He was a, a second round pick. Hasn't panned out. Um, you know, and then. Uh, we talk about Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond was re- picked shortly after Kyle Trask. It was cut by the Vikings, even before his rookie contract ended. Davis Mills replaced by C.J. Stroud. So, like, you can't really rely on that. So you're going to need to get your franchise guy most likely in the first round, okay? Brock Purdy is not the – he's the exception, okay? Tom Brady is the exception. Um, you, you're probably going to have to get a guy in the first round. So how do you do that? You pick high enough to get one. Uh, you know, could you get a Lamar Jackson type who falls? Sure, but yeah, I, I don't that's not you can't bank on that. Uh so and here's my thing. And this is what I think about when I say this. What good is it, right, to make the playoffs and in the wild card game, probably play the Dallas Cowboys because I'm I'm guessing the Cowboys are gonna be the fifth seed and you'll be the fourth seed, play the Dallas Cowboys again and lose thirty eight to ten. Like, you know, what, what's the good in that of getting blown out for the second straight year and being one and done? I just I don't see much good in that. And I think there's more positives than negatives for the long term. Right. Maybe not this year. Right. Obviously, this year it would suck to miss the playoffs and get a, you know, the ninth overall pick. But as far as the next five years, the next six years, it's probably better if they just take their lumps this year, move on from Todd Bowles. And Baker's been fine. 
but like it's probably better of like Baker's not going to be the quarter the starting quarterback four years from now for this team. Like it's just he's not. Even if Todd Bowles stays, like Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield will not be here four years from now. Like it just it, it won't happen. Um, so I I think it would be best if you took your opportunities and just sort of seized the opportunity here and got your franchise quarterback along with a young offensive uh, head coach, which obviously I know it's, it's the, the craze now, right? It's that fad, but I don't think the fads weren't off. Like I think it's here to stay. And I think if you find that guy, I think it's going to be huge. Um, We'll get into head coaching candidates uh, when that time comes, but uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now. I agree with your sentiments in, the fact that if the Bucks decide to be in a position to bring back Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield next year, it's going to be more of the same. Uh, you, you know, Baker's been fine, but we've talked about his ceiling before, and I don't know if he's going to be able to constantly play at that level under Todd Bowles. I, I don't think he will be. Uh, you know, this defense has been getting worse week in and week out. That's on Todd Bowles. I, I mean, the Bucks are in bad shape mostly because of execution on the field, but Todd Bowles has played a very fair hand in it. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out. But also I acknowledge- another thing, another thing that people don't talk about really quick. If you make the playoffs, right? You win the NFC South next year. You play a first place schedule again. You do. So that means instead of playing the Los Angeles Rams and Minnesota Vikings, you're playing the or, or, or Green Bay Packers. You're playing the Detroit Lions and San Francisco 49ers. Yes, <laughs> that matters. <laughs> like, you know, it, it definitely it definitely matters. Um and it's just it's gonna hurt your chances. And I just don't know how you can look at what Todd Bowles has done, right? Todd Bowles has done in the past two seasons. He's had one winning season in his career as a head coach. That was ten and that was his first season as head coach as the New York Jets, ten and six. And I just don't know how you can have the confidence that giving this guy another year is gonna work out. Now the Buccaneers. Listen, they the Glazers, it's not a slam dunk that Todd Bowles is fired. Do I believe that if they miss the playoffs, Todd Bowles is fired? I do. I do think they're going to move on. However, the Glazers kept their cutter after the Buccaneers went nine and seven, then five and eleven. The Buccaneers didn't make the playoffs with nine and seven. He they kept their cutter for a third year after he went five and eleven, partially because they couldn't come to an agreement with John Gruden, but I think that's actually the main reason because they just couldn't come to an agreement there, but then they cut Cutter for a third year. So I don't think it's a 0% chance I, that Todd Bowles is back for a third year, even if he missed the playoffs, but I just, I find it very unlikely that he's back. Yeah. I, I agree with your sentiments there about how I still think there's a chance. It would be a surprise if they missed the playoffs and Todd Bowles is back. People would not be happy. I don't think the stadium would quite be packed next year. And I'll leave it at that. But uh, it, it will definitely be interesting to see how it shakes out. On to the injury front for this week's game as we dive into who's available and who is not. The final Bucks falcons injury report came out about an hour ago on the Falcons side. A.J. Terrell has not been ruled out. Neither has Jeff Okuda. But three Falcons starters are out in Nate Landman, Caleb McGarry, and David Onyemata. Cordero Patterson now has an illness, so he could be a game-time decision. Now, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, last week on the injury front, it was a lot more more players on the defensive side of the ball that we were talking about. But this week, it seems like the Bucs are going to be getting Levante David back, seemingly Servasia Dennis, so you're not going to be nearly as thin in that linebacker core. But as we did find out, Devin White, 
Jamel Dean have both been ruled out. Devin White and Jamel Dean missing their second straight week. And Vita Vea pops up with uh, being questionable, being a game-time decision because he did not practice all week, which is not a great sign for the big man in the middle of that defensive line. But for the Bucks, again, we talk about the absence of Devin White and Jamel Dean. At least they're getting some reinforcements this week. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. And, and getting Levante David most likely back is huge. Um, at the same time, though, man, you got to hope Vitavea plays because it's just it's this matchup. That's what sucks. This matchup with the Falcons who can run the football. By the way, the Falcons as a team, the last four times, four straight times, they have as a team had over 100 rushing yards against this uh, Todd Bowles defense. So, um yeah, Arthur Smith and the Falcons seem to be figuring out how to run against the Bucks, and they do it with success. And not having Vita Vea up the middle would really hurt. It does help that Levante David's back. It helps that Sarasi Adana's probably back. Uh, J.J. Russell played well, and you know he'll be able to step in if one of those guys has come out. But uh, not having Vita Vea would really, really hurt this team, I think. And it would be just a massive loss. I, I, I have to imagine he's going to try everything in his power to give it a excuse me, to give it a go. Just like we talked about, you know, this is like a playoff game. I mean, th- this this is how this has to be treated. Obviously, if you can't go, you can't go. Like, if you're so banged up to where you can't go, it, it is what it is. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that losing Devin White is, well, okay. Um, you can overcome that. Uh, I, I think you can as a defense, even Jamel Dean. Like I, I like Jamel Dean as a player, but he struggled this year. And I, you know, I acknowledge that and Carlton Davis has been better ever since Carlton Davis came back from injury. I think Davis has played a little bit better. So maybe Dean, I don't think Dean's too far off or else I think they would have probably put him on IR. So I would guess maybe Dean's back for next week. Um, I don't know about Devin white, but we'll have to wait and see on that. And uh, yeah, to, it's good to have Levante David back. It helps the defense a, a lot. But, man, if you don't have Vita Vea against that Falcons rushing attack, even with the Falcons missing Caleb McGarry, who, I mean, is one of the better tackles in the NFL. Um, did you mention their center? Uh, I, I don't know if their their center um, is, is playing or not. I know he popped up on the injury report uh, this week. I don't know if he's playing or not, but um, Vita Vea, Potentially being out for the Buccaneers is massive. Is it London, their center? Uh, London? No. Oh, he's a deal. It, Never mind. Caleb McGarry, offensive lineman, Drew Dahlman. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Did not practice. Limited participation. So he finished Thursday and Friday being limited to participation. Okay. His so status so is he, might, he, he might play. He might yeah. play. Okay. Uh, he probably will play since he finished limited on both days. I guess he plays. So, yeah, I mean, even, you know, without Caleb McGarry, though, this Falcons uh, rushing attack can can hurt you. And the Bucks didn't see B. John Robinson last time. Uh, B. John Robinson had an illness, so he did not really play. But Tyler Algier has been like a Chuba Hubbard, basically, yeah. uh, to the Buccaneers. He has really killed them. So uh Bijan and Tyler Algier, you're gonna see a ton of. And you just hope that the Bucks can stop this Falcons ground game because if they can't, it could be a long day for the defense. Yeah, that's been something here in the second half of the season that has fallen apart for the Bucks. Even with Vita Vea last week on that defensive line against Carolina, Chuba Hubbard had a monster day. He he was getting plenty of work. We saw the same thing a couple of weeks ago with Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor both having productive days in the second half of that game. 
And that's going to be big, too, is making sure that not only do they start strong, but they finish strong uh, because the defense, they got to play a full four quarters. And we talked about some of the guys are getting back this week. Levante David having a short tackler in the backfield is going to go a long way, but you just got to do your job. You got to do your job. It's a playoff atmosphere, and and everybody knows it. But I do want to talk a little more about one guy in particular on the defense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who will not be in action this week. That is linebacker Devin White. And the reason I bring up Devin White is because, you know, obviously he's been a popular guy this year among the fans. And I've seen a lot of discourse this week about what the Bucs should do when he comes back from his injury, which may be next week, maybe the week after that. Kind of a similar case as Jamel Dean, where the Bucs didn't list him on the IR. So you have to assume he'll be back at some point before the end of the regular season. But this is going to be a critical stretch of games for Devin White if and when he comes back from this injury, because regardless of if it's in Tampa Bay or not, he's looking for a new contract. And the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of league. So if he doesn't have a strong finish to the year, where he's had mostly a disappointing 2023 season so far, I don't know what next season's going to look like for him. We've already talked about how he has maybe played his way out of a contract extension in Tampa Bay. But people have started saying that the best thing for the Bucks would be to bench Devin White when he comes back from his injury. What it, what it, I, I mean, I, you know, I know a lot of what that decision is going to be is contingent upon what they do this week. If they win, then the playoff door is still open. And to be honest with you, there's not going to be a lot of arguments I can hear as to why you would still bench Devin White if he's ready to play off of injury and the Bucks have a shot at the postseason. I don't hear a lot of good arguments as to why that would be a good option. But if the Bucs are out of postseason contention and Devin White is still dealing with injury, do you think it would be best for the Bucs to shut him down? Is that a viable option? Or do you think that's maybe a bad look on the Bucs because we just talked about the importance of this final stretch here for Devin White, who more than likely elsewhere is going to be playing for a contract. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, we, we, I think a lot of Bucks fans and analysts and some agree that like Devin White's probably not back in Tampa Bay next year. Um, but I do think if he's, I mean, if he's healthy, like. I think you kind of got to play him now. I mean, it's a great opportunity for Zavasse Dennis, and it sucks that Dennis couldn't go last week. Um, but, I mean, they got it more of a look at J.J. Russell then, you know. So um, that, that that was good, of course. And, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see what Dennis looks like on Sunday next to Levante David. Uh, because that I mean, could very well be your 2024 linebackers, you know, right there. If they bring back Levante David and Sarasi Dennis is there, it could be those guys. So um, I don't know about shutting Devin White down. I do think it's a little bit different. And I think the argument, the argument can't be made if they're still in the playoff hunt. Like, I, I don't think you can make an argument. However, if, and, and look, a loss this week to Atlanta would not mathematically eliminate them. Uh, they are not mathematically eliminated. Now, if they lose to Atlanta this week and then they lose the Green Bay and then Atlanta wins next week, okay, I'm not sure of all the scenarios, but then they might be mathematically eliminated. But a loss this week, they, like I said, they still have an 8% chance. So they're not mathematically eliminated. And I don't think they would consider shutting anybody down uh, for any reason until they are officially done. Um, so. I think as far as Devin White and the future of this team goes, I don't expect him on the team in 2024, but I would expect him to play some point again in 2023. It is, I don't think, I don't think you've seen the last of Devin White in a Bucks uniform. 
And there's a lot of people who are going to say like, oh, well, of course, you know, they're going to shut Devin White down at the end of the season. Uh, if they're out of the playoff hunt, you want to see what you have in Servassier Dennis. And that's a fair point. Like that's going to be high up on the priority list because Servassier Dennis, you know, this this 2023 draft class for the Bucks has been great so far. It really has. Like Kalijah Kansi, Yaya Diaby playing well ahead of schedule. You'd love to see Servassier Dennis get some important reps down the stretch here. But again, like what does that do? I, I mean, I... I guess you really shouldn't be worried about souring the relationship between Devin White and the Bucks any further, but like, is yeah. <laughs> does that not come off as just kind of a bad move? If, if I mean, the Bucks decide it, to shut it, him it, down. if he's if he's if he's healthy, yeah, I mean, you know, if he wants if to he, play. He's like, because other players are going to pay attention to that too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah, like like other players are going to keep that in mind. Like, oh, they held him out. Like he was healthy, ready to go. They knew it was contract time and they held him out for a reason. Like other players are going to remember that. And so that's why I think I don't think you've seen the last of Devin White. I think they're going to take a good look at Zavasi Dennis. I think they like Dennis a lot, but I also think that they're going to use this game and possibly next week as an audition for Dennis, see what he has for next year. Because honestly, even if Levante David isn't back, like, so I think Servasi Dennis is a really good chance to be one of these teams, you know, two linebackers, like like one of their two linebackers um, next year. So I, I think it's going to be an audition for him either way, whether it's Levante David back and Devin White not, if it's both gone, if it's, you know, if it's Devin White back, Levante David not, like no matter what it is, uh, I think it could be an audition for Dennis. So I think they're going to take a look at that. But at the same time, yeah, I don't expect them to shut down Devin White for, for any reason, unless it's like, you know, if his injury is not doing well, like, and it's like legit, then obviously, and you're like, oh, he could return like week 18, then maybe not. Then maybe you just shut him down um, and say, you know, hey, best of luck. But um, yeah, I, I do expect to see Devin White again at some point this year. And I, I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. Before we talk about the other side of the football, I did want to give some props to the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, the uh, <clears throat> best safety in the NFL, Antoine Hang Winfield on. Jr. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. So maybe maybe we, we don't okay, I one hundred percent agree on the best safety NFL, okay? However, it is blasphemy. Blasphemy that this guy is not even on the Pro Bowl voting. Oh, come on. I mean, I are, mean, you, are you I mean, kidding do, me? Do, like, do are you serious? Any, do we expect anything different this time of year? Every year? Even when the Bucks had Tom F and Brady, it felt like there were a lot of guys that just that just kind of missed, you know. Like, not even on the thing, though. He's not even on the list. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, that is that is ridiculous. They don't know that ball. That is insane. They don't know ball. They just don't that, know ball. That's, that's insane. What's that reminds me of, worse? like, 2013 when Levante David had that year, which I still think yeah. is probably the best year of his career. Um when he when he had that year and he didn't make the Pro Bowl, like I know the Pro Bowl is a joke. I'm not really gonna get too hung up on it, but to not even be, I believe, in the in the top ten, you mean to tell me there's ten safeties that have been better than Anthony Winfield Jr. this year? Get out of here! Like, come on. What's even worse is that he he probably won't even make the first or second all all pro team this year. I guarantee. No, you. I mean no, probably not. Yeah, no. and definitely not the, the first. That's just where the Bucks are. Well, okay, that's just where the Bucks are. You know, we're, we're back to not necessarily being the media darling that they have been the last couple of seasons. So it comes with the territory. It is what it is. But shout out to Antoine Winfield Jr. having one hell of a season. And when he gets paid, man, he's getting paid. All right, let's talk yeah, about 
Let's talk about the offense for the Bucs as we uh, wrap up this week's game preview. And we'll take a little bit from the headlines here. Talk about another popular player on this Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster as of late. That is wide receiver Chris Godwin. Uh, I, I wasn't on social media enough to know why he was in the news this week, but I saw that there was uh, some discrepancy between his wife, head coach Todd Bowles, and it all had to do with his injuries, playing time, snap count, this and that, this and that. But from what I understand, Evan, if you could explain it to me like I'm five years old, when you compare Chris Godwin as a number two wide receiver, his targets and catches on the year compared to other number two wide receivers, everything is kind of right where it should be. I know Dave Canales admitted that, you know, he hasn't done the best job at getting Godwin involved, and we can talk about Canales and his usage. We can also talk about Baker Mayfield just not throwing the ball to Chris Godwin. Uh, but between both of those things, it seems like everything was Godwin is like, it seemed like up until this week, everything was okay. I know we had talked about getting him into the offense a little bit more. It's been the Mike Evans show out there. But does this feel like something that got blown up into a bigger deal than it than it really should be? Or is Chris Godwin legitimately concerned with uh, his usage in this offense and the Bucks are going to adjust accordingly moving forward? Um, I mean, I think Godwin has every right to be frustrated. I mean... You know, he needs to be a bigger part of the offense. I've been saying it for a while. Like, this offense is better when Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are involved, not just Mike Evans, like, not just the Mike Evans show. Mike Evans is a great player, but the offense is so much better and runs so much better when both guys are involved. And, like, you're paying Chris Godwin a lot of freaking money, you know, to, and like, that's a big debate. That's a big reason why they haven't paid Mike Evans because they're already paying Chris Godwin. It's tough to pay two wide receivers 20 plus million dollars a year, right? So, I and I'm not saying that's okay. Oh, you well, you're paying him so much money, you have to use him. No, no, no. You you have to use him because he's a talented football player. That's why. Okay. But it's just it's so weird. And part of it, I think, is is the offense, sure. But also part of it's Baker Mayfield. Uh, if you look on film, Godwin is getting open. Mayfield just decides to go somewhere else with the football. Like it just it happens, you know. I don't know why. To me, he's. I love Trey Palmer. Loved him coming out of, of college. Love the draft pick. He's targeting Trey Palmer too much. It seems like the offense is basically Trey Palmer, Mike Evans, occasionally Rashad White, occasionally Kate Otten. Like that's what it feels like the offense is. And Chris Godwin is just completely forgotten. And I don't understand why. He's too good of a football player. You're paying him too much money. And he does too many things well for you to just forget about him. So uh, hopefully they can get it right. If, if any betters out there, I, I don't know what the thing is, what the line's at. I'm going to check it right now, but I'd bet the over receptions because it always seems like whenever this is a, a, a subject, right, a topic, that seems like the next week. I remember, I think, last year, um, it was, I think, the the Pittsburgh game that I don't believe Mike Evans had a catch or, or something like that, or he had, like, one catch, and it was a big storyline, like, heading into the game against Carolina. And I remember I took my, I was like, oh, I'm going to take Mike Evans over for like five and a half receptions or whatever. I was like, he's going to get that easily. And he got like eight catches. So like they, they target him. So I, I would expect Chris Godwin to, uh, to definitely get, get some, 
some some work in there and his catches four and a half. Yeah, that's easy. I mean, I think he's gonna get five catches. That that that's that's free money right there. If it loses, you can blame it. But yeah, I I don't think it's BS. I, I think he has a, a legit point. I think he's got a right to be frustrated. Um, I think the Bucks offense as a whole has a right to be frustrated because again, they are better when this guy is going. And right now, he's not going, and it's it's not even really his fault. Like it's not like oh he's they're throwing the ball and he's just not catching it. No, like yeah, I mean yeah, sure he had back to back drops, you know the the past two weeks but like it's not like he had the dropsies the entire season it's not like he hasn't been a productive player it's just like he he's like sort of forgotten about in this offense and it's really weird yeah you brought up the drops and and i was gonna say that's crucial to as long as the bucks are playing for the postseason you want everybody to be playing confident and chris godwin you just got to build that confidence back up you mentioned how he's had back-to-back drops two weeks ago that was his first drop of the season and uh, I think before that game, he led the NFL for the most games in a row with multiple catches from a wide receiver. If I'm not mistaken, had one of the longest streaks in the NFL. Um, so you want to build that confidence back up. And now this is Dave Canales commenting on Godwin's lack of results in the offense the last few weeks. This comes from Pewter Report. Last Sunday against the Panthers, Godwin was held without a catch on three targets. And over the past four games, he has contributed very little to the offense's success especially when pitting his production against Mike Evans. For Dave Canales, he was reminded of his other star wide receiver's ability when he ran a 19-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter of the team's 21-18 win. Quote, What a huge reminder for me, right? The guy is just magic with the ball, and so I have to do a better job. I come up here and say it every week, and I'm not satisfied with how we're using Chris in our offense. He's a huge part of what we do, and just speaking to that point, a lot of the ways we get the ball quick in touches has been going to Trey Palmer and Devin Tompkins. Quote, some of those things that are designed to them, Chris has been averaging about 10 yards when we get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage on things that he has done well in the past. Uh, referring to those screen passes and you know those outside looks that they have been given Godwin. I got to be more aware of spreading those types of touches out because he does have such a knack with the ball after the catch. Both Dave Canales and Chris Godwin recently had a one-on-one conversation where they shared how this has been where they shared how there has been frustration about him getting the ball. Even with Godwin not being as productive as expected, he still has had a role in the offense. His 53 receptions for 606 yards speaks to the share of targets he still receives, but Canales wants to unearth the great player he knows is still there. So obviously seems like something they're going to be working on as we round out the regular season, but for the Bucks on the offensive side of the ball, they've been getting better. I think when you look at this week's matchup and you look at who has to hold up the best, I mean, the last time these two teams played, you know, the Bucks only scored 13 points. So obviously the offense has to be better. But they held the Falcons to 16 in a loss last time. I have my doubts they're going to hold Atlanta to 16 points in Atlanta because this defense has, has not gotten better since that game. Here's the other thing. The Falcons had three red zone turnovers in that game. Like Desmond Ritter fumbled, fumbled the ball three times. And, and he's, your, star- he's your starter, by the way. If you would have asked me four yes. weeks ago about this game, I would have fully expected Taylor Heineke. And my, my Bro, if, if Taylor Heineke was flying, I, the Bucks would have zero shot. Yeah, I think they'd be cooked. <laughs> <laughs> they, they would have zero chance to win. Oh, man. Yeah, but the Falcons go back to Ritter. So that's another thing, too. I mean, you can count on his mistakes. Hopefully, he hasn't been mistake-free since he came back. I think the first game he came back was that game against the Saints. And both him and Derek Carr played like crap. 
So I, I don't know what you're going to get from Ritter this week, but regardless, that Bucks defense has to be better. Uh, with potential holes on the defensive line and, of course, missing Devin White and Jamel Dean, you're going to be relying on a lot of younger talent this week. Yeah. No, not for sure. And like like you said, the uh, offense has got to be better uh, for score more than 13 points. But uh, the defense, I would say, that, you know, ever since the bye week, you know, and really, OK, ever since that basically after that week seven game, I would say, honestly, um, after that week seven game against Atlanta, like the offense has been better than the defense has. And um, the defense has regressed a little bit. And the offense has progressed. Now, I mean, they they still struggle to score over 20 points like they've gone over 20 points, I believe, four times um, in their what 12 games. So, I mean, it's not great, you know, 20 you know, over 20 points. So they've reached 20 points a couple of times, but haven't gotten over it uh, only four times. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just I don't know. And I, I don't know. It, it is good. The Falcons aren't some high powered offense, but. You know, if you miss Vita Vea, you know, with the Falcons strength being a run game, it could get a little dicey. So on offense, I just think the Bucs have to protect the football. And Baker Mayfield has had a little bit of issues with that lately. And it's becoming a trend and it, it can't continue in this game. It just it can't. And he had a, a late interception against the Falcons in week seven. It really hurt him. And that sort of mistake can't happen again because that could sort of cost you the game. And it could cost Todd Bowles a job. It could cost Baker Mayfield his starting job in Tampa Bay next year so um if they lose look they're not going to put in Kyle Trask like that's another thing like I I don't think until they're mathematically eliminated they're not going to even going to consider putting Kyle Trask in like week 18 if they decide look Mayfield ain't back okay maybe if you're you know six and ten right and like you know you're not making the playoffs all right maybe put Trask in and see what you got but I don't think it's going to happen I, I don't think they're they're going to be putting in Kyle Trask anytime soon so yeah Mayfield's got to protect the ball better and uh it, it's becoming a trend that he was so good at avoiding I know I keep saying this every episode but he was so good at avoiding it through the first six games or so but then lately it's it's been trending in the wrong direction. So hopefully he can get that corrected. We praised him. And that's why in the first half of the season, it felt like he was playing better than a lot of people expected him to just because of maybe not the explosiveness of this Buccaneers offense, because it took them all the way until week 10 to get a run game, but the efficiency, you know, the, the critical third down conversions and not turning the ball over. And I'm glad you brought up the turnover battle. Cause that was going to be my main point before we get to score predictions for Baker Mayfield. He's going to be looking to avoid a fifth straight game with a turnover. I think the last four games he has thrown an interception, had a couple of fumbles lost in there as well. Did get a couple fumbles back, but regardless, you cannot be a turnover-prone quarterback at this point of the season when you have so much to play for. So the Bucs have to be efficient, and I know we talk about getting Chris Godwin more involved, and I know we'll probably inevitably talk about Rashad White. But I also want to talk about the offensive line and kind of give a status update. Tristan Wurst, he's been shaken up so far this year. Seems like he's going to give it a go. He'll be ready to go at the left tackle position. But wanted to get your thoughts on some of the other guys that we had talked about and criticized so far this season. Aaron Stinney filling in at that left guard spot seems to be doing an all right job. But I wanted to mainly get your thoughts on the interior and the right side there. Robert Hainsey, Cody Malk, the rookie, and then, of course, Luke Edeke at right tackle, who, dare I say it, looks like a quality starter at right tackle <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah he looks like a, an nfl cow i mean is he spectacular no i don't think he's ever gonna be spectacular but uh he looks like yeah an nfl quality 
you know, starting tackle where is he replaceable? Maybe, but like, you're like, okay, he's fine. Like, like you, you don't need to be looking, the bugs don't need to be searching for a right tackle in the off season. Um, so I thought Stinney's played better than Filer. I mean, there's been times where Stinney has struggled, but uh, I do think the Buccaneers need to look for left guard in the off season. I think that's going to need to be, uh, something that's addressed. Uh, Robert Hainsey at center. I think he's more of a natural guard. Uh, so he's struggled a little bit at center. He was better last year at center. Uh, they could be looking for a center this this offseason because don't I mean, Ryan Jensen's I, I've gotten some questions about Jensen. He He's not he's he's not um not off the books uh, for technically he's still under contract for next season. Uh, but all indications are that he's probably done playing football. Uh, I know he's going to try and come back. He said that that he intends to, but I, I don't know uh, if that's realistic. So could be looking for a center. And then Cody Malka, yeah, it's been up and down, uh, as you would expect with a rookie that went to North Dakota State, you know, uh, playing in the NFL and starting in the NFL. I think it's been up and down, and, and there, there's been some good and there's been some bad. So he's another guy I'm sort of hoping for that that year two jump and next year uh, sort of because, you know, what you got this year, it's fine. You know, for a rookie second-round pick, like, it's fine, but you want to see a little bit more, I think, in year two uh, after a little bit more development. So the interior of the offensive line, I think, is definitely the weak point. Now, the, the Falcons not having David Onyemata and Grady Jarrett up the middle is definitely going to help. Uh, it is certainly going to help, but the Falcons' pass rush has been decent as of late. Lorenzo Carter, um, Ar- Arnold E., uh, I believe I believe his first name is Arnold. His last name is yeah, it starts with an E. I'm not even gonna try and pronounce it because I would butcher that. But uh, th- they've been getting a, lo- a lot of sacks, and uh, I believe that the Arnold E guy has like four sacks in the last three games or something like that. He's been on a tear, so gonna have to watch out for him. And yeah, you're right. I mean, Tristan Wirfs, and look, he hasn't played as well since he's been banged up. And uh, I wonder if he's one of those guys where if the Bucks are mathematically eliminated, say week 16, week 17, I wonder if they shut him down for the season, try and get him as healthy as possible. If he needs any type of surgery or anything, I don't think it's that severe, but just uh, to rest up and, and not possibly injure it anymore. Um, but yeah, he, he seems be banged up. I mean, Baker Mayfield's even a little bit banged up. He uh, got landed on by Derek Brown last Sunday. Wasn't on the injury report, but you know he's hurting. So I think Worfs could be a guy they maybe shut down if they're out of the playoffs, like mathematically. But uh, I think... uh, yeah, I mean, the offensive line has, has been, I would say, I don't know if I'd say a strength. I think it's been fine for the Buccaneers. I would say it was a strength early in the season. But again, like a lot of things with this Bucks team, as the season has gone on, it's fallen back a little bit, I think. And uh, I think Tristan Wirfs, like I said, because he hasn't been as healthy, I think he's dipped a little bit at left tackle. Um, he struggled late in that 49ers game after he left. Then he struggled in the Indy game. And then you know, last week he was okay, but he got hurt again. So, uh We'll have to see what type of game he has on Sunday. But the offensive line, I think if they can hold up enough and give Baker Mayfield time, look, it's all about making the right decisions and getting the football to your playmakers and just sort of, you know, letting them do their thing. Yeah, if the Bucs want to have any success getting Chris Godwin or even Rashad White involved in this offense, it's going to start and stop with the offensive line. You give Baker time, and of course you open up those run lanes that we love to see. Let's get into some score predictions here for the Falcons and the Bucks. Bucks going to be on the road. The Bucks have proven to me that they, I, I mean, I don't know. Are they a better road team this year? We've been able to say that most years, but I'm not sure if that's the case. 
Uh, he did get a loss in Indy a couple of weeks ago. Come back home, you get a big win against Carolina. Here you are on the road again. It's a big-time division game. I wouldn't say Atlanta Stadium is a particularly tough place to play, but I do think playing on the road is still going to affect this team. I think the offense is better. They're in a better spot than they were when they last played Atlanta. Uh, I think the injuries are going to play a factor for both teams as well. If the offensive line holds up, I do see Mike Evans having another big day because A.J. Terrell, he has not been ruled out. So he is questionable, but man, he cannot cover Mike Evans. It seems like most times uh, whenever the Bucks match up and you've got Mike Evans being shadowed by A.J. Terrell, Mike usually gets 65-plus yards on the day, which for a guy like him... Uh, is productive in this offense. So I think the Bucks score a little more points than they did last time. And I think they have to hold on late in this one to win. I think Atlanta, it's going to be kind of similar to Carolina, where if the Bucks do win, which I'm going to pick them to win, uh, if the Bucks do win, they're going to have to hang on. I think it'll be a little too close for comfort there in the fourth quarter. Atlanta's going to make a late surge, but it will not be enough. Tampa Bay comes out on top 24-21 in a very close, very stressful division game. Yeah, well, and also like AJ Terrell is like good too, and like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Mike Evans just Mike Evans just gives him fits, and um, Jeff Okuda was another corner of theirs. He was had a really good year. Uh, they traded for him from Detroit, and uh, he was on the injury report as well. So something to monitor. Both corners may be a little bit banged up there. Um, yeah, just somehow, some way, oh, and also like you mentioned, uh, they're actually. Uh, they're three and three at home this year, the the Bucks, and two and four on the road. So, uh, worse road record than than uh, than home. Coincidentally, um, they have played some tougher teams on the on the road. They played the Bills, they played the Niners, uh, they played the Colts, um, and then obviously at home they played the Titans, the Bears, and the Panthers. Those are their three wins at home. So, um, I just I think somehow some way. They're going to find a way to win. I don't know how. I just I have a feeling that, that they're going to. I just I guess it boils down to I just have a hard time imagining the Falcons sweeping them. Whereas like if you told me like if the Saints would have won the week four game and then you're like, oh, the Saints are going to win again. I was like, OK, like, yeah, Saints have always had the Bucks number. Like, you know, I just I just don't know if I can trust this Falcons team enough to think that they're going to sweep an opponent. I just, I don't know. For for some reason, I just think they step up, even with the injuries, banged up defense. Atlanta's banged up too, so I think that helps. Um, I think they, they find a way. I'm going to have a lower scoring game than you. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a low scoring game. I think it's going to be almost a carbon copy of what the week seven game was, except I think it's going to be a different result. I am not necessarily a game winning field goal by Chase McLaughlin, uh, but just that type of game, low scoring. Uh, you don't really know, like entering the fourth quarter, like it's like anybody's game. Uh, you need to limit the mistakes down the stretch. I think the bucks do this time, which they didn't last time. They didn't in week seven. Baker Mayfield obviously had that interception late in the game. They didn't limit the mistakes. Uh, this time, I think they will, and I think the Bucks are going to win 17-13. to 13. I think the Bucks are going to come out on top and keep their season alive. Will they make the playoffs if they win this game? Who knows, right? It's still oh, basically 50-50. I mean, that PFF thing with the analytics at 52%. So, well, it's not a slam dunk that they make the playoffs because basically, you know, you win this game, but you lose the next three. 
doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter if you won this game. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. But their playoff chances will greatly remain alive uh, with a win here. And I do think just somehow, some way, they get the job done. I agree. They pulling of you course back you in? They, they pulling you back in? No. Huh? <laughs> no. No, just I did. I just think it's just. I again, I have a hard time believing the Falcons are going to sweep them. I don't think the Falcons are good enough to sweep them. And I think combined with the, if if the Bucks would have won in Week Seven, I'm probably picking the Falcons right now. I I just don't think either team is good enough to sweep either one of them. So I think combined with the injuries and that, that I think the Falcons are are not going to be able to sweep the Bucks. I just think the Bucks are going to find a, a way somehow some way. Uh I think they're going to win. We're going to need a terrible game from uh from Ritter. <laughs> just like last time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, on one hand like the Pewter report guys actually brought this up too. They were like, you know, like yeah, on one hand like a lot of people said, "Oh, the Bucks should have won that game week 7." Like, "Oh, the Bucks lost that game." At the same time though, the Falcons had three red zone turnovers. So, yeah, the Bucks should have and could have won that game. At the same time, the Falcons could have blown the Bucks out. <laughs> like, the Falcons could have scored like two more touchdowns yeah. and it's a completely different game. So, um I just I don't know which and this is the toughest game, biggest game of the year obviously for the Bucks, but the toughest game of the year for me to predict because I don't know which version of either team is going to show up on Sunday. Like, I mean, you could get the Falcons who blew leads to the Vikings and the Cardinals or you get the Falcons who had a big division win against the Saints and beat the Bucks, uh, you know, and you can get the Bucks who the offense looked great against Houston, uh, the defense looked great against Tennessee, or you can get a game like Indy where it's kind of like, eh, like too little, too late. Like you just don't know what type of team you're going to get each week from either of these teams. So really tough to predict, but I- I'm going to pick the Bucks. A lot on the line this week for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, a big time division matchup. And if they lose, it's over. It, it is over. So a playoff atmosphere on the road this week for Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A, a lot on the line here in the closing weeks of the 2023. Whether whether they win or lose, though, we'll be live after the game. Uh, if they lose, it'll be a much different discussion than if they win. Uh, if they win, we'll be talking about the game. If they lose, talking a little bit about the game, but to be honest with you, we'll be talking about a lot more other stuff uh, if if they lose, a lot more long-term stuff if they lose. So uh, be sure to tune in either way, though, Sunday after the game. It's going to be like a funeral. And, and if they tie, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Yeah, that'll really be a discussion to be had. We'll have to break down all the logistics of that. That would be a tiebreaker mess for the playoffs. <laughs> Seriously, that'd be awful. How fitting for uh, a terrible oh, yeah. South division yeah. as well. Just one of the worst in football this year. But that's going to do it for this week's game preview edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Shout out to everybody in the chat hanging out with us live today. Brutal as Bucks, Al Bundy, our friends from the Bring the Juice Colts podcast, talking about how they have a big game this Sunday as well. The Colts very much in the mix over there in the AFC. I know the AFC, a very tough conference this year, but... After a good stretch of wins here that kicked off with the Bucks, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Colts are in a good position to make the postseason. It's going to be interesting for them. Follow my co-host Evan on social media. You can find him on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. Have you got anything this week before the game? 
Going to have the Q&A uh, with the Falcons, the, the Falcoholic, the SB Nation site, and also X-Factor, which, spoiler, it's Baker Mayfield. So um, it's going to be Baker Mayfield. So I'm going to talk about why Baker Mayfield needs to play well um, in order for the Buccaneers to win this week. So be tuned, stay tuned uh, for those two things coming, I mean, within the next 48 hours, because 48 hours from now is the football game. So it'll be out soon. Last but not least, you can find myself on Twitter and Instagram at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Win, lose, or draw right here at YouTube.com forward slash Cannon Fire Podcast. We will be live and taking your phone calls. Looking forward to it. I'm your host, Rick Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you then. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.